On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday, and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Our reporter Betsy is at the ShopRite grocery store in a town outside Mapleshade, where she's just found Thurman Jennings, the Nara's upstairs neighbor. Hey, excuse me. Are you Thurman, by yes. chance? Yes. When I approach Thurman, he thinks I'm a new trainee. Don't tell me you wanted a new hire. <laughs> no, I've been trying to reach you. I'm an investigative reporter, and I'm trying to find people that knew these victims. I show him a flyer I've brought with me. There's a picture of Sassy and Anish on it. And it's a story that's just, it's something that I can't let go of because no one is, like, everyone's forgotten about these two people, and no one... Not me, no one, no one's fighting for them, and so I've just been trying to find people that know them. I know this. this. <sighs> I know. I don't understand. Why did they just stop that? We talk for a few minutes, but it's already 10 o'clock, and Thurman's got to get to work. We can, we can okay. No matter, I'll sit down and talk can, to you. Can I give you a hug? Like, yes, I'm, of course you can. So we set up a time to meet at 7 the next morning when Thurman's shift is over. Check, check. Okay, we're rolling. Can I just get you to start off by introducing yourself? My name is Thurman Jennings. I work for the ShopRite. I've been with the ShopRite for 12 and a half years. And... I lived in Fox Meadows for 10 years. Other than that, I'm just a regular old me. I'm Tinku Ray. And I'm Ben Adair. You're listening to Strangeland. This is season two, Murder in Maple Shade. Episode 8, The Mail Slot Thurman converted to Islam back in the 1990s and chose Abdul Salam as his Muslim name. He says it means peaceful one, and that's how he identified himself to reporters back in 2017, for privacy reasons, 
because it is such a common name. But at work, he goes by Thurman. What's your favorite part about the job? That I work at night. Don't have to be around too many people. I love that. (laughs) And I work for a good company. Thurman is the night manager at ShopRite. He works long hours, from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., and then he heads straight home. In 2017, the entrance to his apartment was right next to the Nara's front door, where Anish would wait for him. This kid used to meet me at the door every morning, like 7.20, something like that. And he used to always talk to me through the little mail slot. Anish would talk to Thurman through the metal flap in the Nara's front door. In fact, Thurman says he didn't see Anish outside of the house. So the mail slot was his small window to the outside world. I'm like, yo, what's up, little man? He'd peek through the door, then he'd close it. Then sometimes he'd crack the door and he'd see me. Everything he did was in the house. He rode his bike in the house. He never came outside. This kid had to be the loneliest kid in the world. And this kid, I think I probably was his only friend. He had the prettiest smile you ever wanted to see. Thurman's description of Anish, so isolated and alone, is such a different picture than the one Kelly Canavan painted of her favorite student, the big dreamer and class clown. It seems Anish lived two separate lives, one at school and one at home. But Sassi had no life outside of the apartment, says Thurman. We know from others that Sassi did pick up Anish from school and take him to karate, but Thurman says he rarely saw her leave the house. She would come to the door, though, to chat with Thurman. She was happy when she seen people, like, say myself, but at the same time, you can see the, the uncomfortableness on her face. Like, it was the type of happiness that she would throw, them, throw people off with, like, to make them think that she's fine. But when Hanu was around, Sassy pretended not to know Thurman. She didn't want to, like, look up at me or nothing, like... She didn't want him to know that she talked to me. I know how people act. He did not want her interacting at all with me. Basically, it was like she was in prison or something because she never came out. I never seen this lady go shopping, food shopping, or nothing. Never seen her take the kid by the hand and walk him, like, to the store or nothing. Why do you think she never left the house? That was because I know she wasn't allowed to be outside. I say 30 days out of a month, you might have seen her with jeans on one of the days. She kept this nightgown on 24-7. When Sassi did leave the house, it was with Hanu. And even then, Thurman says, she appeared to be under lock and key. It was her straight in the back seat. And he'd get up front like he was some type of god or something. And 
you never seen him coming out the house holding her hands, never seen him come out the house talking to her or nothing. He was very arrogant, dude. He wanted her to know that I'm in charge and you listen to me. Furman lived above the Naras for nearly eight years. And in that time, he says, Hanu spoke to him on maybe three occasions. But then, every day, like clockwork, Thurman heard Hanu through the walls of the apartment. I call him the devil. The way he used to talk to her. Every day, five o'clock. You would hear him down there screaming. It was always in their language. I don't speak their language, but you could tell it was not nothing nice. This was going on for 30, sometimes 40 minutes. All you hear was his voice. It was like she had to sit there and listen and not say nothing. I always tell my girl, something ain't right about this guy. Furman says he was working when he got the call about the murders. He couldn't believe it. All the way home that day, all I kept saying was, I'm a kid, I was a kid, are you? I'm thinking maybe it was murder-suicide, him and her. Nope. It was her and the fucking kid, yo. How the fuck do you just... How do you kill a kid? Thurman was devastated, but he kept it together while he talked to investigators. I stood outside interviewing with them for a while. They asked me a few things about him, how he was. How long did they talk to you for? Maybe 10 minutes, standing up in front of the house. Maybe 10 minutes. Did they ever follow up with you? Never. Never. When did they take the crime scene tape down and Hanu was allowed to move to go back into the house? Oh, the tape was the tape was down the next day. The next day. And that's when Thurman saw something he really did not expect. Hanu's return to the scene of the crime. And what happened then shocked him more than anything else he had seen so far. That's coming up right after the break. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. 
Amica. Empathy is our best policy. It was the things that Hanu didn't say and didn't do that alarmed Thurman. I was standing out front on my sitting on my car when he came. First of all, he didn't speak. He didn't say nothing about what happened last night. It was like he's never lost nobody. Didn't look like he's in mourning or nothing. A couple days pass and Thurman sees Hanu again. He's with two friends, a short Indian man and a tall Indian woman. These details stuck with Thurman because he never saw any friends over at the Nara's apartment. They was packing up stuff. It was her, him, and the guy. They all was in their back. It wasn't like they was going through stuff. They was actually putting everything in the bag. I heard her ask him, do you want me to put everything? And he said, everything in here goes in the garbage. Everything. First thing I noticed was out there was the little kid bike. This bike was brand new, sitting on the curb. They put out a baby bed that looked like it might have been for a toddler, like a baby chair, a couple of couches. They put out some books, a whole bunch of clothes. Everything they put out was basically the kids and hers because he had two bags and two suitcases that he put in his car. Never came back. Just a couple days later, still less than a week since Sassi and Anish were murdered, Thurman was at a local dollar store. It's near Fox Meadow and right next to a gym called Retro Fitness. This was an open gym. You can look right through the window. First thing I see is him on the treadmills. Dude, your family just got murdered. Are you working out? You ain't saved nothing to think about them. When I tell you, they put everything on the garbage. I mean everything. Thurman couldn't wrap his head around it. According to what Thurman says, investigators closed off the crime scene for a day or less, and anything they missed during that initial sweep was now long gone, lying in a landfill somewhere. Potentially, a lot of evidence just tossed in the dumpster. What were your impressions about the Maple Shade police or any of the investigators that were working on the case? These people did not care. And I was always wondering why. I always said, was it because they was Indian and they didn't know too many people out there? It was like she wasn't important enough to worry about. That's how they took, that's how maybe she took that case. But if somebody run around here breaking a car or something, y'all come like it's the end of the world. It's eight or nine cars. But y'all ain't do nothing about this case. Nobody put effort into finding out what really happened. 
But Thurman did try to find out what happened. He began reaching out to neighbors to see if anyone was home during the time of the murders, and if they saw anything. One of them was. And he did. His name was Craig. Craig had to be about in his late 20s. And Craig was basically what you call a part-time hustler. He was never, never in the house. And when you say hustling, like... Running game, you can use hustling in so many different ways. He was out there, like, trying to get money together because he didn't have no job. One thing I've learned all my life is you'll be around bums or whatever in the streets. Don't think they lying to you all the time because they're outside 24-7. They know what happened. They know what they saw. So I seen Craig the next day. He was like, yo, bro, that's crazy, right? I said, yeah, that's crazy. How the husband going? I said, ain't nobody do that but the husband. He's like, well, the husband wasn't there. I said, nobody never be at that house but the husband. He's like, Thurman, listen to me. It was a guy, short guy. Went into that house. He said, I found it strange, too, because I know don't nobody never go over there, just the husband and the wife. He said, this guy went in. He didn't walk out. This guy, like, had a strut to him. Jumped in his car, pulled off. Then, later, Hanu pulled up. The husband got out the car, stood on the sidewalk in our walkway, made a phone call. Before he went inside? Before he went inside. He was on the phone for at least a minute, maybe a minute and a half. He said, then he turned around and went in the house. He said, maybe about a couple minutes later, he came out. And all he did was make multiple calls. And finally, the guy got on the phone and he called the cops. So, to be clear... What Thurman's saying is that there's another neighbor, a guy named Craig. Craig was hanging around outside on the night of the murders. And Thurman remembers Craig telling him that he saw a guy go into the apartment and then rush out. He said he later saw Hanu pull up, make a call, enter the apartment, come back out and make several calls before calling 911. Granted, this is hearsay from six years ago. But it does sound like strange behavior for someone who just discovered his wife and son murdered. Thurman says he told all this to the cops. He told the cops about seeing Hanu throw away Sussie and Anisha's belongings, and he told the cops what Craig told him. But he says they didn't seem interested. It was like, I felt nobody wanted to hear it. I used to sit up and wait. I should keep my phone with me all the time for somebody to call me. Could you come to the station? Some so we can interview and talk about this. But Thurman says investigators never called. And the murders haunted him. Long after Anish was gone, Thurman continued to act out their morning routine. When I tell you I miss that kid, I used to walk in the house every day. I stand in there before I put my key in the door make a little noise. That's how I knew he was going to run to the mail slot. 
but there was only silence on the other side of the door. And every day my girl used to be like, somehow you're going to have to let it go. She's like, you worried about this so much? They just killed a fucking kid. They just killed a woman. I said, you know ain't nobody do it but him. Oh, he had somebody do it. That's all I used to tell her. She's like, well, you got to let the car No. Baby Shay didn't do shit about that. And I'm still trying to figure out as why. So we're going to follow up on Thurman's leads. We're going to try to track down Craig. He was in the apartment directly to the right of the Naras, in Unit 1A. He doesn't live there anymore, though, and Thurman doesn't remember his last name. So it's going to take some legwork. But first, we're going to take a closer look at this tall woman Thurman says he saw helping Hanu clean out his apartment. I heard her ask him, do you want me to put everything in it? He said, everything in here goes in the garbage. Everything. The door was open when Hunter was packing, and Thurman got a good look at the woman inside. And he recognized her. She lived in Fox Meadow, on the other side of the complex. He would see her daily with Hanu. It was the same lady that I seen pick up every morning around the corner. Who is this mysterious woman? That's on the next episode of Strangeland. The next two episodes of Strangeland drop on February 23rd. Strangeland is an audio Chuck original produced by Western Sound. You can learn more about our investigation, including how you can get involved at our website, strangelandpodcast.com. And if you love what you hear, please don't forget to tell your friends about this important story. And type us a review on your favorite podcast app to help the story continue reaching more and more people like you. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.